This is a podcast from the Business Times. We like bargains. Who's going to say no to paying less for more? However, some bargains are too good to be true and turn out to be scams. These days, one can get scammed by offers of cheap concert tickets, hotel stays, luxury bags, and even roast duck. But hey, what about bargain property? By this, I'm not talking about the apartment going at a loss because people say it's haunted. Instead, I'm talking about property equities. As an investor, we can indirectly get to own a share of a portfolio of properties that a listed company or trust owns at a discount to the value of these properties. For the bargain hunters out there, are these discounted property shares a great deal? Or are they too good to be true? Is it better to own the physical thing rather than just rights to a portion of the underlying property? That's what we'll dig into today. Welcome to Property BT, a podcast series by The Business Times. I'm Senior Correspondent Leslie Yee, and I'll be your host as we gather insights on all things Singapore property to help you in your property investment journey. My guest today is Wilson Ng, Singapore Equity Strategist and Head of ASEAN Property Research. Welcome, Wilson. Hi, Leslie. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, glad to be here and always enjoy chatting with you. First things first, let's take a look at the physical property market in Singapore. Whether it is office, buildings, homes, malls, warehouses, hotels or industrial facilities, Singapore's property sector has shown resilience. For one, private home prices continue to power ahead despite tough property cooling measures, high interest rates and geopolitical tensions. What is your view on Singapore physical property, Wilson? Which asset classes do you like and dislike and why? I think you're right, Leslie. Singapore overall real estate prices have held up very, very well last year. Uh, relative to many markets globally. And I think overall, Singapore real estate prices and rents will still hold steady this year, mostly within a 5% deviation. By asset class, those that will fare slightly better, I think, include retail, hotel, and industrial. And those faring slightly worse this year include office and residential. For retail malls, we expect spot rents to grow for the third consecutive year and increase by 1% to 2% this year. There isn't a lot of supply coming up and on the demand side, CDC vouchers and more inbound tourism this year is good for retail sales and can help justify higher rents. For hotels, hotels are the more obvious beneficiaries of higher inbound travel this year and we think occupancies can return to pre-COVID levels of uh, above 85% while room rates for hotels stay at the 30% above pre-COVID levels. For industrial properties, logistics properties will probably continue to lead rental growth this year, and we think rents can grow 4% as occupancy stay high. Business parks are where we might see a bit more stress from tech companies downsizing, and here we see rents falling by 2%. For the office market, the outlook for rent in the office segment is looking slightly worse. Market rents have risen close to 15% over the last three years and we think will drop 2% this year with a bit more supply coming on stream. Lastly, for the residential segment, this is where we might have a bit more of a controversial view. We think housing prices will fall this year by 3% after what has been a record streak of rising prices every year for the last seven years. Supply is increasing, which we can see from more government land sales that translate into a bigger pipeline of new launches. On the demand side, the biggest source of demand is HDB upgraders, 
making up half of all condo units sold by developers. And this year, there are fewer new HDB upgraders coming to market. Lastly, the rental market is softening. The backlog of construction during COVID has been cleared, and that means more completed condos coming on stream. Uh, as a result, condo occupancies are falling, and rents, which rose 60% over three years, have also started falling since late last year, and I think will continue to fall this year. So to sum up, uh, retail, hotel, and industrial rents will see a bit of growth this year. Office rents might see a bit of decline, and housing prices uh, might see a bit of decline as well. Well, I guess overall, the property market's probably still going to do relatively well. But what about property equities? There are many listed property developers, as well as real estate investment trusts or REITs on the Singapore exchange. And many of them have been trading at a discount to book value. Property developers in particular can trade at sharp discounts to book value of possibly over 50%. Wilson, is it better to play Singapore property via investing in listed property groups and REITs? It's an interesting question. Uh, I mean, investment demand, I think, has shifted from physical residential property to property stocks over the last 15 years because of changes in housing regulation. The decision to buy physical property versus stocks is probably the most relevant for households, where one of the members is exempt from additional buyer stamp duty and is considering spending the excess cash on either property stocks or a down payment for a condo. And in this scenario, it ultimately depends on risk profile and, I guess, access to capital. Buying a private property in Singapore involves a down payment of at least hundreds of thousands of dollars, whereas to invest in property stocks, you can start with as little as hundreds of dollars, so it's like a thousand times less. Besides having a more accessible ticket size, property stocks also offer the benefit of diversification. Each stock usually gives you an exposure to a portfolio of different properties that can hedge out idiosyncratic risk or concentration risk of a single physical property. Liquidity is another major advantage that stocks have over physical property. For stocks, you can trade freely in and out of positions every day. You can choose to sell some instead of all of your stocks with each transaction. Whereas for physical property, it takes months to get in and out of positions, or, or actually three years if you want to avoid the seller's stamp duty. And there's also a lot more frictional costs for physical property in the form of buyer stamp duties as well as agent fees. For those who more strongly prefer physical property over stocks, one argument in favour of physical property I often hear about is leverage. With mortgages, 75% of the property value can be funded with debt, uh, whereas for listed REITs, the loan-to-value ratios are mostly 30-40%. to 40%. So in other words, physical property has the potential for higher levered returns, even if unlevered returns may not be that much better than stocks. So overall, my view is when it comes to a pure investment, uh, with few exceptions, property stocks generally look like a more viable investment for retail investors compared to physical property. Wilson, interesting. Uh, well, I used to handle the investor relations portfolio for a reputable Singapore-listed property development and investment group. The group does great developments in Singapore and owns very good assets here. However, it was a struggle getting the share price to perform. Perhaps the group's trading liquidity was insufficient to get on the radar of many institutional investors. Wilson, why do many property groups trade at big discounts to book value? Are these stocks worth buying? It does seem a bit puzzling, uh, because one would assume that the property company's book value reflects the value of properties they own, and therefore stocks should trade close to the book value instead of a discount, uh, like you mentioned earlier. 
For REITs, actually, this is mostly the case. REITs mark to market their properties at least once a year. So book values quite fairly reflect how much these properties will be worth in the open market. And the big cap REITs mostly do trade at close to their book values. Now, there are a few exceptions where REITs trade at a wide discount to book value. Uh, This tends to be because of expectations that their property values will decline and therefore book values will also decline. So we see this in REITs holding overseas properties where the values are on the decline, especially on a Singapore dollar basis. And we also see this with some of the industrial REITs which have properties where land tenures are nearing expiry and values are depreciating towards zero. White discounts to book value actually, um, as you mentioned, are more prevalent in property developers. And this is because unlike REITs, rental income and sales profits for developers are not directly passed through to shareholders via dividends. And the discount to book value, I guess, reflects the risk that retained income is reinvested into projects that do not necessarily deliver higher returns. So are property stocks worth buying? I would say that among the property stocks that recover, our preference is for asset managers, which are potential early cycle winners as interest rates turn. Uh, For REITs, we'll be selective on REITs uh, that can better deal with higher refinancing costs this year. And we are cautious on property developers that are exposed to a potential downturn in housing this year. Wilson, I suppose it's never a bad idea to go for listed property companies that have good governance, capable management and low gearing, especially if you can buy the shares at a discount to book value. But I suppose if what you're looking for are capital gains, then one may have to be patient. Share prices may not go up for a while. Still to come, should investors start loading up on REITs? Market Focus Daily, a roundup of market movements and the news that drove the trading day here and in the region. Every trading day at 6 p.m., directly from the Business Times newsroom. Listen at businesstimes.sg slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to Property BT from the Business Times. Welcome back to Property BT. I'm Leslie Yee. I was deeply involved in efforts to get the REIT sector off the ground in Singapore at the start of this century. Singapore's REIT sector has since grown beyond what I imagine. We have REITs that are key members of the Straits Times Index. We have REITs with geographically diversified portfolios. Today, Singapore-listed REITs own assets across a wide range of property asset classes. However, the recent cycle of interest rate hikes has dented the performance of REITs. Unit prices have suffered. Why buy REITs when one can get a decent return from, say, Singapore dollar fixed deposits or treasury bills? Also, REITs have seen borrowing costs rise. For the latest period ended December 2023, some REITs saw their distribution to unit holders decline due to higher borrowing costs. And some REITs saw portfolio valuations drop due to higher capitalisation rates. Wilson, what is your take on REITs? What names do you like and why? Well, Leslie, uh, REITs have underperformed the broader Singapore stock market over the past two years as interest rates rose, but we think they will do a bit better this year as interest rates start to fall. REIT share prices as a whole have mostly adjusted down already to reflect higher refinancing costs this year, but we need market expectations for interest rates to fall a bit further to be more outright positive for the entire REIT sector. So for now, we would be selective in choosing which REITs to own. 
REITs with portfolios containing more Singapore properties rather than overseas properties will probably benefit more from steady growth in rental income and property values, which we get from Singapore properties, but not necessarily in overseas properties. By sector, the large-cap industrial REITs recover seem better placed as they offer stronger balance sheets and also more dividend growth opportunities via acquisitions. So overall, I'm somewhat neutral on the Singapore REITs as a whole because alternative stocks in Singapore look more attractive in the near term. Hmm. Let's give that some thought. Wilson, I think many Singaporeans are fairly outward-looking. Many of us travel overseas extensively. In searching for returns, some of us may even look to invest in overseas property. Think of a home in Johor Bahru that is easily accessible from Singapore once the Rapid Transit System Link or RTS becomes operational. Or maybe we are taken by the lifestyle in Bangkok or Bali to consider buying a home there. Wilson, your job remit covers ASEAN, a region with exciting growth prospects. Looking at the region and beyond, what property markets and segments are interesting and why? Alright, so maybe starting closer to home in Southeast Asia. Across Southeast Asia's property markets that recover, we're actually most excited about the Philippines. Specifically, the Philippines residential sector, which is a key source of earnings for the large-cap Philippine property companies. These companies have grown residential sales more than 10% every year for the last three years. And we expect sales growth of again 10% this year. The economy in the Philippines is doing well. GDP growth is tracking well above 5%. And we have a bigger government budget this year to finance stimulus plans to improve infrastructure and to create jobs. So things are looking rosy in the Philippines relative to the rest of ASEAN. Zooming out a little bit across Asia, my colleagues covering real estate stocks in the region favor Japan and India. In Japan, one of the few markets globally with negative real interest rates, the outlook for real estate stocks looks positive in local currency terms, especially as the office market seems to be bottoming out. In India, the local stock market has been a bright spot in Asia last year, and Morgan Stanley's equity strategy team believes positive momentum carries forward to this year. India's property sector is likely to fare well, supported by strong residential demand. Further outside of Asia, in Australia, my colleagues like the industrial sector, where we can get good rental growth. In the US, commercial property values are expected to fall another 6% this year, but the housing market is showing signs of bottoming. In Europe, commercial property values are also expected to fall this year, but UK REITs might be the bright spot to position for falling interest rates. So for property markets globally, uh, Asian markets like the Philippines, India and Japan might be the key markets to watch. And outside of Asia, there might be select opportunities in US, UK and Australia. Looking further afield, whether the world's superpower, the United States, is declining or not is hugely debatable. What remains indisputable is what happens in the US affects many people all over the globe. Doubtless eyes will be glued to the campaign for the US presidential elections to be held later this year. Meanwhile, financial markets will focus laser-like on what the US Federal Reserve does with interest rates. Wilson, where do you see interest rates heading? How will interest rates impact Singapore home buyers, property groups and REITs in the lunar year of the dragon? Well, Singapore interest rates are going to fall slightly this year, I think, which, to be honest, isn't going to help property or property stocks too much this year. For property stocks, the expectations of lower interest rates matter as much, if not even more, than the actual level of interest rates themselves. 
And for now, property stocks in Singapore recover have already more or less priced in US policy rate cuts in the second half of this year. Further out this year, though, when we get more sustained disinflation, lower interest rates actually materialize and markets are more comfortable focusing on even lower interest rates next year, then we might see some interest rate sensitive stocks like REITs start to gain more ground. In fact, asset managers that manage these REITs might be an even better option. Asset managers are even more positively levered to falling rates and I think they'll be the early cycle winners as the interest rate cycle turns. Now jumping back a bit to the residential market, mortgage rates in Singapore already fell more than 100 bips last year to 3% currently and probably won't be falling that much more this year. So for homeowners refinancing their mortgages from 2-3 to three years ago, they'll be going from a mortgage rate of 1% to 3% compared to a year ago when it would have been an increase of 1% to 4%. So incrementally, that's good for home buyer affordability. And for sellers, there'll be less pressure to sell compared to last year. However, as I mentioned earlier, the housing market has many other issues, including higher supply, lower rents, lack of foreign buyers, and fewer eligible HDB upgraders this year. Having slightly lower mortgage rates may not be enough to overcome all these headwinds. For property developer stocks, uh, similar to home buyers, a lower cost of borrowing this year is good, but at the end of the day, they are still refinancing at a higher interest rate. So interest expense is still going to be higher this year and, and will cut into earnings in our view. So overall, I recommend patience in the year of the dragon. And if we do want to start allocating more to real estate stocks within Singapore, our preference is for asset managers over REITs, over developers. Wilson, investing is never easy. There can be opportunities to be found in listed property groups and REITs, as well as physical property. Still, all investments come with risk. Thank you to my guest, Wilson Ng from Morgan Stanley. Thank you, Leslie. Uh, it was fun being here and Happy New Year to you and your listeners. That's it for Property BT this time. Join us next time where we dive into finding opportunities in the Singapore private residential property market. I'm Leslie Yee. Thank you for listening and happy property hunting. This is a podcast by The Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.